Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 14, Episode 13. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Wednesday, Steelers Nation. Dave, just about 24 hours away from the Pittsburgh Steelers preseason finale against the Atlanta Falcons and cutdown day just around the corner after that on August 29th by 4 p.m. Eastern Time. So, for this Steelers roster, David, is speak now or forever hold your peace. These guys trying to make a spot, win a position battle, still a lot to look towards heading into this finale. Yes, uh, there is. It's a big week for several of these guys uh, to make one final push. And I think Mike Tomlin once again made that pretty clear during his uh, press conference on, what was it, Wednesday there. Uh, Going to be interesting to see how he handles uh, certain – I mean, I – I, I, I feel like I have a pretty good feel on what he's going to do here, but uh, I, I've thought that before and it's end up going going different directions. But obviously, we'll, we'll break down a little bit about what Mike Tomlin had to say, uh, but it should be a, uh, a fun game to watch. I would imagine uh, all, all healthy rookies. Uh, should get some pretty good burn in this game. And that means guys like Joey Porter Jr. and Nick Herbig and Spencer Anderson. And I mean, you know, just go, go, uh, uh, Darnell Washington. Uh, it ought to be a fun game at the very least of, of watching a lot of these, uh, young draft picks. And then obviously, you know, we've mentioned several position groups that, that, you know, seems like there's some tough decisions that that'll be, uh, interesting to watch play out. And, more specifically, you know, this team needs to continue to stay healthy mm-hmm. uh, through through this uh, final preseason game because knock on knock on wood. I mean, obviously they've had some injuries and obviously you know the Corey Trice thing in camp and all. I mean they they've they've done fairly well in that department so far. Yeah, I think as you said, knock on wood. But the, the health of the team, especially to the starters, the core group has been really good overall. Dave, before we get into what Mike Tomlin had to say and preview this game and some other things. Let's do some quick housekeeping, some injury-related news here. Duke Dawson has been released off of injured reserve, and wide receivers Akeem Butler and Cody White have passed through waivers as expected and reverted to IR. And actually, I don't know if we talked about, did we talk about that on the Monday show? Did that come after with uh, Cody White and Hakeem Butler being waived injured? I think we had the front end of those two. We had no, we only had the one transaction and right. And then the, I think shank, the, yeah. yeah. And then the linebacker was signed. And I don't think we, I think that came after we, we finished the show and then we didn't have uh, uh, the back end of that uh, transaction with the two wide receivers uh, being waived uh, injured there in, in Cody White and, and uh, the Butler thing, right. You know, we went into the, you, you, you got to game day there and all of a sudden he was kind of, he was a scratch there and didn't play at all. And then Cody white, it, it 
going back through the game, it seemed, I think he took a pretty good pop maybe at one point during that game. But, I mean, he obviously must have injured something uh, during that game. He played a lot of snaps and played on special teams and all like that. But uh, uh, both those guys being being waived injured, I mean, that, that, that obviously brings an end to the Hakeem Butler. But, I mean, that was that was trending not in a, uh, in a, in a, in a, in a so great <laughs> direction anyway, right through from basically based on what you were reporting throughout training camp. And, uh, uh, it, it didn't look like he was going to have a good shot at making the roster anyway. And then Cody white, you know, was a guy that you kind of thought hey, that this guy could, 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 you know, once again, sir, he's like a professional practice squad, uh, <laughs> for uh player for, for Pittsburgh at this point. And even that now, uh, is it going to happen? At least not at the start of the season. Now we'll find out here in a couple of days, what the length of those, well, I mean, they're both on IR. I, 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 barring, barring those injuries being super serious, you'd probably expect both those guys to receive an injury settlement within this next week here. Uh, and then, neither one of them would be allowed to re-sign back with the Steelers until three weeks on top of whatever the, the uh, injury settlement uh, length is there. So could a guy like Cody white, you know, barring, you know, his injury, not being serious, be back on, let's say the practice squad by eh, what week seven, week eight. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's possible, but in the short term, uh, you know, neither of those guys are going to be, uh, with the Steelers, I don't think it at, at the start of the 2023 season. So next phase is just watching to see if there's an injury settlement with those two. And then, uh, as you mentioned, Duke Dawson, I think we'd already talked that he had, he, you know, uh, was going to have an injury settlement there. And it, that ended up being for three weeks with him, I think. Yeah. But I'll, so we don't- I'll, I'll find out for sure here what his number is here yeah, very soon, probably by tomorrow. I mean, I assume that that speaks to the injury that he had well enough to obviously cause him to run out of time and be placed on IR initially, um, you know, wasn't as serious as what probably Corey Trice is dealing with. Maybe that's just good news for for Dawson personally. Yeah, Butler had a really disappointing camp, just never stood out. Drops were an issue, couldn't separate. And, you know, unfortunate for him about the injury, not uh, that you're ever going to be happy about that, but not really going to materially change his chances too much because he was not going to make this 53 and probably not make the practice squad. Cody White, though, big bummer on that because you're right. He felt like the practice squad lock, versatile, special teams kind of guy. I know that so many people on the internet will say, oh, he only makes it because his dad is in the front office, Sheldon White. Sheldon White got hired last year. Cody White's been on this team for a couple of years, so it's nothing to do with that. But uh, unfortunate for him because I felt like White was a guy you could write in pen to make the practice squad. Yeah. Uh, and, and once again, he's been on there for quite a while, got elevated a couple of times and, you know, a, a pretty good special teams player. So, uh, we'll have to see, maybe we'll be talking about him in in the middle of the season or something like that. And then in terms of the players who have been signed to replace those spots, it is Aaron Cruikshank, who was uh, going to be a return guy. We did talk about him Monday, briefly small returner. Went to Wisconsin initially, transferred to Rutgers, uh, was a really good returner in college, five career runbacks. And then the linebacker, might uh, butcher the pronunciation here, but I think Coney Dang, a linebacker from Cal. He's big, he's long, got hurt as last year in college, was with Chicago and I believe believe, I believe Atlanta uh, this summer. And so he's going to be signed here to finish out the preseason. All right. Uh, one other piece of news here, and it made my heart happy for for a moment. It's just a workout, but the Steelers worked out tight end Noah Gindorf yesterday, uh, rookie undrafted free agent out of North Dakota State. I believe he was undrafted free agent. I'm, I'm pretty sure on that. Yeah. He got waived by 
think it was Seattle uh, a short time ago, but big body blocker, one of my kind of guys coming out of this 2023 class had some injury concerns. That was the biggest knock on him. Um, Obviously, they have not signed him. They may be a speed dial type of thing, but the type of tight end that probably Pittsburgh likes. Yeah, uh, he was the he was my seventh round pick in the uh, in my final mock draft. Yeah, and 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 I assume you did that because he's got the the look of a big body blocking tight end. In Pittsburgh. <laughs> it just yeah, the the the, the, the those kind of that that I'm fascinated by the big mm-hmm. body uh, can can block. You know, you don't find too many of those kind of uh, 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 big body guys that can actually get it done like that. And I, I thought he could, but I mean, I and I think I even stated in that post that uh, he he'll, he'd probably go undrafted, but uh, which he did. Uh, but he just he you know didn't stick I guess with the Seahawks there so maybe maybe that's a guy we'll be talking about in a couple more weeks as a practice squad guy. True, that's a good point. So don't want to spend too much time on that, but I did like Indorf coming out, and you had him in the mock, so it was worth mentioning that. All right, let's move on now to Mike Tomlin having his press conference yesterday, and as you mentioned at the top, Tomlin with the same phrasing as he's had throughout the entire preseason, saying that all healthy players will play did seem to hint pretty strongly the starters will play in some capacity. He didn't put a snap count to how many series and what exactly he's looking for, basically saying the starters will play until they've shown what they needed to to show, and then they'll be bumped out for the second string, and they'll do the same, and the third string will finish things out. So, uh, you know, does that mean a Cam Hayward's going to play? Does that mean a Patrick Peterson's going to play? Tomlin said all healthy will play in week one, and then some of those old heads did not play, so we'll see. But I would expect to see Kenny Pickett, most of the starting offense, if not the entire starting offense out there, and at least half the starters defensively. As you parse through what he said, uh, or you know, at least this is my take on it, because you know, he he phrased it kind of weird. All healthy players will play, and I'm not going to guarantee everybody's going to play <laughs> uh, like that. And then you know, he obviously said, "Leave the light on for Larry Ogunjobi, uh, Trey War- Trey Norwood, and Nate Herbig." Uh, Obviously, if 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 Norwood and and Nate Herbig are healthy enough to play, you want to get those guys some snaps in this game. Specifically, uh, Herbig, you know, uh, uh, potentially at center uh, there. Larry Ogan, Joby. I mean, I don't know what you do there. Uh, I, I I would I would err on the side of caution with him yeah, unless same. he just unless he's just scrapping to to tell me to fight that he wants to, he needs some snaps and all like that i think i'd take it easy on him and then if you if you go a little bit further in 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 into what tomlin had to say uh he says you know first team all pros and 30 year old corners i know more about so it's not about the guys oftentimes that i choose not to play it's about the opportunity for others he says you know every rep that tj watt doesn't take uh i know he's first team all pro caliber and it's an opportunity for nick herbig to show his skills and get better for example every time i don't play cam hayward it's an opportunity for demarvin leal and keanu benton and others and so that's the mentality my job is to provide these guys individually and collectively uh what it is that they need and sometimes you know less physical reps in an effort to get game blah 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 uh just kind of my guess and that's all it is because I, you know, I, I try to parse through some of these things that he, he's such a wordsmith and doesn't paint himself into the corner. He only paints the barn red. He used that yesterday again. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, as well. If I had to bet, Alex, I'd say Watt, Cam Hayward, uh, Minka, Patrick Peterson don't play in this game. 
I'm with you. I think that's probably the right approach in this one. You wouldn't be shocked, though, to see those guys get a series or two, would you? I mean, right. If they did play it, they're, you better you you better not go get popcorn or, or, or a cold drink or anything mm-hmm. like that because you might miss them there. Uh, but is three more snaps or, or five more snaps? Right. Like, what are you looking for? What are you trying to accomplish by giving Cam Hayward five snaps? You know, uh, they got out there this past week. They got right. lathered up and all like that. Uh, I, and in so, I think that's kind of what Mike Tom was trying to tell us. And, and look, why, why would, and you know, you obviously you hope to get Keanu bent in back on the field, uh, this week. And Mike Tomlin talked about Joey Porter Jr. Uh, at the end of that last game and saying how, you know, they kind of held him back a little bit because they want to get a, you know, get a good look at him, uh, in, 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 in stadium against the Falcons. To me, this is a prime opportunity to, Heck, I'd I'd roll Nick Herbig out there at a starter, and I'd hope that Atlanta rolls out Jake Matthews. And it comes to find out, I guess they're playing Bergeron at guard. Comes to find out, so okay. uh, I don't even think they're playing Bergeron at, at, at tackle. Remember, he's a Syracuse kid. That is he a guard? Is he a tackle? Uh, that kind of thing. So, uh, but if and I, you know, obviously I haven't uh, uh, went over to look and see what the Falcons' plan is uh, for this game here. But uh, uh, if the I'd be interested to see Jake Matthews versus Nick Herbig for a handful sure. uh, 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 snaps in this contest. I guess what I'm getting at is this is a great opportunity uh, to get, you know, once again, these younger uh, draft picks specifically, especially on a defensive side of football uh, as, as, as many reps as possible. So I, I, I would, Expect Tomlin to throw Joey Porter Jr. out there as a starter, Nick Herbig out there as a starter. Uh, Benton, if he's healthy, I mean, I I don't know if he starts, but uh, he he could, and, and and it wouldn't shock me. But uh, just reading, read you know, parsing through this, I kind of expect those four on defense not to play at this point, and then on offense, man, if you. I, it sounds like the offense, starting offense, will play, but this could be another six or seven play series and take it to the house. You know, I know I'm going to throw a bunch of hypotheticals at you, but we, I'm with you. The starting offense will play, and I'm okay with that. Much more so than you know, if the if TJ Watt were to play, I don't think there's much of a need to to do those kinds of things defensively. But let's say the starting offense goes out there, three and out punt. I know that's would be uncommon to see this preseason. Let's assume that it happens. Do you put him out there a second time for a second series? Who's that? The starting offense. They go oh, three no, and no, out. No, 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 no. Well, now making that, k- 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 uh, what's that, kabachi, kabuchi uh, meme? That, Kom- what that, kombucha, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. you're doing the whole like, eh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Maybe, nah, <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, and they, you know, what would you see in another series, I guess, just other than just opportunity to no Maybe work something in that first series that you didn't get a chance, uh, second and short. I, I don't know. I, like I, I, I tell you what, uh, if maybe you got a, the defense provided a turnover or something like that, you got down in the red zone and you weren't able to work on any red zone in that first True. series or something like that maybe I, w- I would be inclined to do that. You know, I think best case scenario here is a 10 play drive, uh, get down into the low red zone and then, then have to have to try to punch it in from mm-hmm. there because 
Alex, if I would have told you at the start of the preseason, going into preseason game, uh, here's what's going to happen, Alex. Uh, at, through the first two preseason games, the Steelers' offense is going starting offense is going to play 17 offensive uh, uh, total snaps. They're going to have uh, three uh, explosive play touchdowns within those 17 snaps. Uh, and they're not going to take a single snap inside the red zone. <laughs> I mean, you would—I mean, not that you wouldn't have already have had me committed uh, by, <laughs> that, by that point, but I mean, you would have thought I was crazy, right? So, sure. I mean, they've checked as 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 we've stated, they, and Mike Tomlin and and I think even Matt Canada—they've checked a lot of boxes in those seventeen plays. Uh, the only box they haven't checked is red zone. Right. You know, and, and, and low red zones. So uh, I guess to go back to answering your question there, if they went three and out in the first series and if something happened where they maybe if you got the ball even on a nice punt return uh, deeper in, 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 in into the Falcons in the field, maybe you send it back out there. But I mean, if that's the worst thing I have to deal with, I mean, this team does seven shots all the time, so it's sure. not like they, they they get that work. But I guess that would be the only thing it to entice me is to get some low red zone work. I think it's a good point. You're right. It's the one thing we've yet to see from the starting offense is some of that red zone play. And we know how crucial that is, just generally speaking, in the NFL to finish drives, get seven, not three. This has been the 23rd ranked red zone offense each of the last two years. And so it's a huge point of emphasis. You'd like to see it, especially in the in terms of the, the ground game. But, um, you know, what are the odds you're going to get that? It's really hard to say. So my thought is, Dave. Either if you get a first down on the first drive, regardless of outcome, then you pull the starters. If if you don't get a first down, then okay, play them for a second drive, and regardless of outcome, then pull the starters after that. So two drives max, one first down on the opening possession is enough for me to to, to yank those guys. Is this the most snaps that Kenny Pickett will oh, play God. in the preseason for his entire NFL career? <laughs> oh man. This like the totality of this preseason and the most number of snaps. Yeah, I mean, look, he's already played seventeen. Let's say he plays seven. That's twenty. You know, yeah. Well, uh, I mean, he had know. more last year, right? If, but I say you're saying going forward, right? Going going forward, and yeah. and look, I I kind of thought that he might get more than twenty four or twenty five snaps in this preseason. Right. I think the plan was to do that, but they were scoring so quickly, it mm-hmm. just kind of said, "Well, they scored, so I guess we got to take them out now." So yeah, to answer that question, yeah, yeah I, I, I don't know. I mean. I, it's, it's hard to say for sure. I mean, who, who knows? I mean, I, we could have a million scenarios where Matt Canada is no longer here next year. So there's a new OC. You want to get picket more reps and the new guys offense and stuff like that. So, I mean, I'd be just making something up there. Uh, but it's it's a fun question to think about. Uh, here's the thing of the AFC North quarterbacks. Kenny Pickett leads <laughs> leads all of them in, <laughs> in in preseason snaps this year with, 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 with 17. And really only two quarterbacks have played. Uh, in the AFC North in the preseason. That's uh, Kenny Pickett and Deshaun Watson because obviously Burrow's been hurt. And I guess, are you surprised Lamar Jackson hasn't taken any any snaps? I hadn't thought about it much, but yeah, with the new OC and Todd Monken, didn't play, hasn't played in a long time. I guess a little bit surprised. I thought Watson would have had more snaps than Pickett, though, just because they want to get Watson as much time as possible and kind of what's supposed to be his year for him in this offense. Well, I would guess then this, this preseason finale would be more, I, you would think you'd see Watson and Lamar Jackson in these final two, right? 
You'd think, but I hadn't listened. Uh, all I know is that John Harbaugh has been kind of whiny about the preseason streak, and that's all I focused on over there in, in Baltimore. So I really don't know what their plans are, but but that certainly makes sense. All right. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of my thoughts about playing time. So we'll, we'll obviously see how it – uh, how it transpires. If the offense plays, they won't play much. And then once again, I, I expect like, you know, four or four or five of those. I would be interested to see uh, uh, Keanu Neal. I, I, you know, I hope they roll if they don't play Minka, you know, obviously, and, and they play Neal, uh, Keanu Neal and, and Casey I'd like to see those two paired up for good eight or nine, 10 snaps. Yeah, they should be the starting safeties, I would expect. If Minka does not play, I would expect Casey and and, uh, Neil to be the guys. So transitioning into that, focusing on the guys we expect to play and play more significantly, what are some of the things, and let's start defensively, what are some of the things you're looking for in this game, be it individual players trying to prove something, make this team position battles, wherever you want to take it, feel free. But defensively, what's on your mind for this game? Uh, I want to see a lot of Joey Porter Jr. because I, I I think it goes without saying at, at, at this point is that their plan is to get him on the field early and often uh, as part of this part of this defense. You know, uh, a sub package guy that could uh, see a nice snap count uh, right out of the shoot there. So uh, you know, you're talking about I don't know what what's this game going to be sixty three you know, 57 to 63 defensive snaps probably in this game. I'd like to see him play at least half of them if they, if they can, uh, uh, maybe, maybe play the entire first half or something with, with, with Joey Porter jr. Uh, I'd like to see as, as much of, uh, Keanu, uh, Benton and, and, and Nick Herbig, uh, I think as possible on a defensive side of the football. Uh, I mean, I, I feel like we've seen enough of those top three linebackers at this point, although I think they're going to play. I'd be, I'm interested to see, because didn't they have one snap with just uh, Alexander on the field? The dime snap. Yeah, that right. was uh, the lone dime snap, which was Quan Alexander. But how much do you actually have to show that now at this point? You know? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's obviously game dependent. Buffalo got themselves in a third and 29, and that kind of led themselves to Pittsburgh being able to play dime. But, you know, unless Atlanta's in a similar situation, you you probably won't see it. Uh, as far as up front guys go, assuming, you know, Hayward doesn't play and all like that, I, I would, I feel like you know enough about Montrevious Adams at this point that I would put, Benton and some of those guy, other other guys out there, Fajoko and 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 uh, Watts and who else? Uh, Louder Milk. I, mm-hmm. I I would burn those guys pretty hard at the beginning because uh, you know, in so many words, you know, didn't even. I mean, Mike Tomlin says it every year, but Terrell Austin uh, said during his press conference the other day that they're going to probably end up cutting, you know, a couple of you know, pl- at least one player on that defensive line that you know should probably be on a roster, you know? So, uh, and I, I still, I've gone back through the tape on a defensive side. Some of those back end guys didn't really seem to do all that much separate separating. So I would like to give them one more opportunity to, 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 to separate there. I'm with you. I think D line is the number one thing to watch in terms of position battles and guys jockeying for positions and spots on the team and, and just everything that you can think about, um, whether that's, Adams and Benton and Fahoko, the nose tackles, obviously Ben's making the team, but who's going to start, who's going to have sub package roles, all that you're looking for. I think Loudermilk versus Watts could potentially be a two dogs, one bone situation. 
I, I would play Adams though, because I think he's a guy that's still fighting for a spot. And if he's fighting for a spot, I think he he deserves the opportunity to to play in this game. Is Adams tradable? Does he have trade value? You gotta I I shouldn't say you gotta think, but I do have the question can you trade one of these defensive linemen? And I don't know who, and I don't know where, and obviously the value is going to be pretty minimal. It's not uh, Leal. I mean, I mean, not Leal. Oh. Uh, Loudermilk, right? I mean, Loudermilk's not tradable, right? I mean, he's a little bit more scheme-specific, so if there was a 3-4 team looking for kind of a rundown type of dude, I can kind of see that. I mean, is Watts tradable? He was a free agent for a long time and signed a one-year deal, so I think the league kind of told you what, what you thought about him. Right. So, and yeah, it's but, not like he's really flashed in two games so far, you know? Nah, I mean, there's some juice there, but yeah, it's not like his tape's been amazing. And if it was, he probably would just be kept. So, yeah, I mean, Adams, I wouldn't say no. I wouldn't say that you know, if they traded Adams, they wouldn't. It's not a crazy suggestion. Obviously, I just don't know, you know, what kind of market there's going to be. Yeah, I, 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 I would think of all the kind of guys, at least the guys that I'm, I, you know, I'm still trying to figure out who's going to be, you know, maybe part of that seven, I would think that Adams, he obviously, you know, he pro- probably would, would have, would, would have the most callers. Now, even so, I don't think you'd get anything more than like a, uh, seven, six or a seven sure. for him, uh, and all, but I would think he would probably be the most, most marketable as far as people may be calling for him. I just, I'll say this about the D-line trade possibilities. If you're Pittsburgh and you know you're keeping seven at max and you have eight guys that I think are worthy to keep on the 53, you got to call some teams and just test the waters. And it's tough to do this time of year because if you're calling about, hey, Carolina, you want to trade Montrevious Adams? That means, hey, Pittsburgh, you're about to cut Montrevious Adams. Maybe we can just waiver wire claim you instead. So it, it it's tough to to make those deals, but they, they do happen. Obviously, it happened last year with Pittsburgh acquired. Jesse Davis and Malik Reed. So I think if you're Omar Khan, you got to at least shop somebody around because you, you know, they've admitted they're going to lose somebody who's talented and you might as well just see if somebody will, will, will off give you, give you something. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. I, I, I would agree with that. I'm watching safety too. Kenny well, Robinson, well, even uh, a yeah. guy like, well, wait a minute now, a guy okay. like, uh, uh, Adams wouldn't be subject to waivers though. Would he? I, I forget how the, process works i mean he's i think he would i think yeah i would think he would just be a contract termination okay so not not subject to waivers so at that point teams would be at the mercy of of signing uh a guy you know then then it would be a free-for-all when it comes to a guy like that uh as opposed to a waiver wire claim sure but that's also my point you trade for a guy so that you get the guy and he doesn't get a suitor from somebody else and want to go sign with another team the way jesse davis was not subject to waivers last year but pittsburgh traded for him so they you know guarantee they got the guy and he didn't decide to go somewhere else so whether it's waiver or you know signing you want to just be able to, to get the guy right uh but i'm watching safety as well kenny robinson can he make a final push trey norwood I assume he's going to play based on the comments Mike Tomlin made last week. They were going to sit him out of the Bills game to play him for the Atlanta game. He's yet to play in a preseason game. He's a guy trying to make that last second push to stick. It's going to be maybe an uphill battle, but safety, those guys trying to claw their way probably from being either right on the bubble or outside the bubble to inside the bubble. Mm-hmm. And Norwood's got to get himself on the field if he can. Right. Um, it was a good start to camp, but that was feels like an eternity ago when you have a couple of preseason games and you know the slot corners looking good. How safe do you think 
Sullivan and Riley are. I think based on what Tomlin <laughs> and Austin have said, they feel fairly safe. Yeah, it feels like they, it, it, and, and obviously, uh, uh, 12, 12 days from now, we could be saying, well, what, what happened? Uh, but just kind of, you know, not only their play, but the report, you know, your reports and, and things to come out of, out, out of the mouths of the coaches. It feels like both Sullivan and Elijah Riley are going to be on this team. Uh, and then, you know, bar, obviously barring any injuries in this final uh, preseason game and assuming James Pierre sticks as a special teams guy, then that would give them six, right? At corner. Yeah, that would give them six. And so I think that's the way it's trending right now. Like you said, we can be surprised, but that's my my read of things as we sit here uh, today. Anything else here defensively you're looking for, Dave? Uh, I'd give Mark Robinson as much possible burn in all areas of the game that I could. I'd, I'd have him out there for the entire game if you let me with with, with Mark Robinson uh, yeah. to to get him ready, uh, uh, more ready at linebacker, uh, get him a lot of a lot of burn on special teams. So that would be something else that I that I I try to accomplish in this game. And obviously Tanner Muse, uh, assuming he's going to be a fifth inside linebacker. Uh, I don't know if yeah you probably Danny Smith probably knows all he probably wants to know about him at special teams. So do you really have to? I mean, you probably want to put him out there with your your starting special teams unit for the first couple of times. But I don't I don't think you have to see a lot out of him because because you don't you know if you have to get in a position where Tanner Muse is playing snaps for you at inside linebacker something's something's gone bad. Sure, but he should play in the second half because I assume those starters will be out. Will Nick Kwiatkowski play? I mean, I think his spots, his, his odds and his spot is faded, but I hopefully he'll be healthy enough to, to suit up in this game. Uh, I'm with you on Mark Robinson because this is a guy who seemingly will not get a lot of playing time defensively in the regular season based on how things are structured right now. The top three are kind of the top three. So get Robinson as much time right now. So if you had to put him in, Week three, somebody gets hurt. He's part of that rotation. He's at least got some, you know, a fair amount of defensive snaps in the summer. Right. I agree. I want to see DeMarvin Leal. I want to see him as a pass rusher. And hopefully he gets some work against the first team Falcons offensive line. If uh, Hayward doesn't play, if Open Joby doesn't play or is very limited, then that should mean a lot of snaps for a guy like Leal. And the Falcons have a good offensive line. Chris Lindstrom's a really good offensive guard. And so um, I think Leal is a pass rusher. I have just not gotten the sense he's been able to merge his athletic tools with the technique as a pass rusher in the second year. I think in, in the run game, like I said before, he surprised me with how good he's looked against the run. But surprisingly, as a pass rusher, I think it's been, he's given them almost nothing. Yeah, fair point. Fair point. I, you know, once again, I, I think the back end uh, of, of some of those fringe defensive line guys will be very interesting to watch on this. Uh, offensive side of football, if Nate Herbig plays, I want to see him get snaps at center. Uh, I would like to see Spencer Anderson play some left tackle spots, even if it's <laughs> even if it's late in 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 this contest. Uh, I how much how Broderick Jones probably still going to get a lot of burn in this one, right? You know, you probably want to get him another thirty-five to forty snaps if you can. Yeah, I mean, I expect you know Dan Moore to be with the starters, so one to two series, play ten snaps probably at most, and then Broderick Jones should get. 30, 40 something snaps, second team left tackle. Right. And I'm trying to think of what else needs to shake out maybe on the offensive line. Uh I'd I'd get Cook, uh Dylan Cook, 
uh, some snaps at both tackle spots later in this game, if I could, I think, because I think he's, I think you'd agree that he's probably the best case as, as far as a practice squad guy goes right now. Yeah, I think we'll talk about Cook with my uh, updated roster prediction here, but I think Cook's a guy that you want to see a lot of in this game because I think it's been a really good summer for him. Potential developmental tackle, that's always attractive because uh, the NFL is starved of offensive line talent. And if you can find somebody that can stick and in, in, in be molded, then you hang on to that guy. What do you do with Kendrick Green in this game? I mean, the first question is how healthy is you know, Nate Herbig, can he play? If he can play, then I think you want, I mean, the problem is the problem is if, if Herbig plays, he's still going to play, play some guard in this game. Like I could see Kendrick Green still being second team center to, you know, when the second teamers initially come in and Herbig playing guard. So I think Herbig will see some center in this game. It may just come a bit later and maybe a bit more limited. So, I mean, when Green plays, it will be at center and he may get snaps the, the moment the twos come in. Do you need to see anything at wide receiver with the, uh, I mean, obviously the, once the starters go out, then, 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 then the starters are out. Uh, how much do you play, play a guy like Calvin Austin, uh, the third in this game? Do you leave him in after the, after the first team? Oh yeah, I do. I want to get him as many reps as possible for a guy that missed his whole rookie season. I want him to get as many just chances to put on tape this summer before the game start to count. So yeah, I think Austin's a guy that needs to be in whenever the backups come in. Okay. And then, you know, Gunner's going to play and the receiver group feels a little short right now with Cody White being out and not that Akeem Butler was playing a ton before he got hurt, but Akeem Butler being out. So I look at somebody like Des Fitzpatrick trying to really, you know, cement himself a practice squad spot. I think it's been a nice summer for him at that great tackle that we discussed on the punt team as a gunner against Buffalo. He's a guy with a good outing here. Could, I think, lock himself under the practice squad. Okay. And then, yeah, tight end. What are you looking for from Darnell Washington? Anything in particular? Uh, I mean, I'd, I'd like to see some more run blocking with him. Not, not that I don't know what I'm going to get within that aspect of there, but I, I've just, just more snaps in general. Okay. Yeah. I think more snaps, more reps. I'm with you. Um, hundred percent does Tanner Morgan play in this game. Uh, yeah, I think he does. I, I, he might get the whole, he might get the entire fourth quarter in this one. Okay. And then at running back McFarland. Um, again, I think he's the clear internal option. I'll keep talking about the potential outside options. I'm sure you want to see Valade, and I want to see some Greg, Greg Bell in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, McFarlane, uh, had a nice pass protection block, uh, on, uh, on one of those, uh, plays there in that game. So, uh, once again, I, he, he has not hurt, hurt his chances at all at the roster and based on the back end of the roster, any threat to McFarlane, I think at this point, when it comes to a 53 man roster uh, spot would be somebody outside the organization. Uh, well, let, let, let's transfer this in, 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 let's carry it over into special teams now at this, at this point. Uh, I would like to see Harvin backed up in his own end, punting out of his own end zone. That's one thing I, I hope happens in this game. Uh, I would like to see more Austin on punt returns, and I would like to see Austin and McFarlane uh, divvy up the whatever kick kickoff returns are, are in this game. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. I want to see more. I mean, I think Austin is going to be the punt returner unless he you know muffs something in this game and just looks like, uh, like a disaster off the 54-yarder run back that he had against Buffalo, but... Um, more you can see from him, the better for sure. Different situations, you know, whether it's fair catching and, and judging the fair catch. If he's you know, at his 10, what do you do with that one? I want to just see him in different kind of moments. And then 
yeah, hopefully McFarland can get a kick return opportunity. He got one, what, last week, and it was four yards deep, and I don't begrudge him for taking it out, but the blocking was terrible. Herbig missed the block, and he got, you know, he had no running room on that play. So, again, how do you judge McFarland? I mean, this is a guy, I, I checked last night, he had one kick return in college. He's got, I think, three in the NFL in his career. What? How do you How do you judge that? He has a couple others, I think, in preseason, does he not? Uh, yeah, I think so. But in terms of like, you know, just the, the regular season or college action, he's got, I think, four to his name. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to see him out there as many times as I can, even if it means <laughs> Atlanta scoring, scoring a couple of times to, to have to kick off or whatnot. Uh, I, I would like to see him get more opportunities at that. Yeah, so hopefully he does. As you said, you know, Atlanta will kind of part of that fate in his hands but uh, anything else here on special teams they're gonna, they're gonna mess up and uh shut him out and only get one kickoff in this game <laughs> it's and it's gonna, it's gonna be a touchback <laughs> well, Damn you. What, yeah I, I i don't know we'll, we'll talk more about mcfarland i guess after this game but i think even mcfarland said you know because i got some pushback oh alex you think he's a bubble guy he's gonna make the team listen i think internally no one's gonna push him i think if if you, if, it's, if a pittsburgh Steeler currently on this roster will be the third string running back it will be mcfarland and if right. this guy gets, you know, a 45-yard kick return in this game, the way that Austin, I think, kind of sewed up his punt return spot last week, then, yeah, McFarlane has a good run back, then I think he sews up the kick return spot, and and you go from there. But if not, then I still think outsiders are possible. I'm going to have an article on that upcoming about one name that I think makes a lot of sense to potentially be that that third running back from an outsider perspective. Uh, so, so, so stay tuned for that. But this game, McFarlane said it. I agree. It's a big game for him. All right, uh, my final, my, my next 53-man roster prediction will come uh, probably about midnight tonight, I think. Uh, yours hit uh, midnight uh, this morning, so why don't, why don't we plow through that real quick? Yeah, I mean, we can go through things position by position group, or I just thought we could just talk about the differences that I made because I only have just a couple, and so it's probably just best to just talk about the differences, and then we'll talk about the full ones uh, whenever we have our final roster okay. prediction, but uh, I made a change along the O line and I really flip flopped here. But I, I have a new name and it may surprise people, but the more I thought about it, the more I kind of convinced myself that it made sense. So I took off, uh, I believe it was Kevin Dotson, but I put in Dylan Cook, the offensive tackle. And I think, you know, he's a guy that's had a really good summer. He's been able to move up the depth chart more recently, late in training camp, getting second team reps. He worked second team against Buffalo. And here's my thought on Dylan Cook. I understand that. A, he'd probably be inactive on game day, but the reason, well, one reason why I kept him was we assume that Dan Moore Jr. will be the starting left tackle in week one. And so that kind of leaves a bit of murkiness in terms of the backup right tackle. I know Spencer Anderson could potentially do that, but I think you might want to have some more right tackle options and you just hold on to talented, moldable offense alignment. That's a potential waiver claim situation because, like I said, the league is so starved for you know, any offensive lineman who, who's worth anything. So I think Cook actually might have a shot to to stick on the 53. Uh, and obviously the guy that you took off of there was Dotson. So what happens with Dotson? You, you're, uh, I've thought, I've thought for quite a while he's going to be traded. Do you think he ultimately gets traded or do you think he's just, uh, you know, part, part of the cut down? Yeah, it's really tough. I wrestled with this a lot. I mean, I think obviously, ideally, you'd like to trade him, and it makes the most amount of sense if any Pittsburgh Steeler were to be dealt. It's Kevin Dotson, so I guess that's kind of in my head right now, not really knowing you know, who would want him and who's dealing with injury and, and all those kinds of elements. But my, my, my thought, and I guess kind of my hope, is that Dotson would get dealt. Uh, the only way that you would differ from 
because you you have nine offensive linemen in total, the same as you did last time. I I, I think the only difference being Cook over uh, you're keeping Cook instead of uh, uh, Dotson. Uh, the only way you could see, I mean, I, I like the thinking here uh, because look, you you're going to have to dress eight, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, who and, and if 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 Dotson is not part of the nine, who who could be a ninth? that's currently under contract who deserves to be the ninth. And of all the offensive linemen, cook is the uh, cook is the best option. I, I agree. I I'm 100% on board with that. Now, the only, the only way that, that this would change is if they did go out and, and, and acquire another center. Sure. Right? And that's, that's possible. And again, I make my projections based off the current guys on this roster. Right, so I, I I certainly do understand uh, your 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 thinking there that it's cook the night there. I feel like they're going to cook. They're going to keep nine in total, with the ninth either being Dotson, Cook, or a center somewhere else. Right now, okay, that's fair. Yeah, my projection, my starting O line would be uh, more Sayamalu, Cole, Daniels, a core for the active backups Broderick Jones Herbig and Anderson Cook probably ends up inactive uh Nate Herbig is going to be the backup center Anderson is going to be you know whatever he needs to be in that given moment because he can do everything Broderick Jones your backup left tackle Anderson I guess would probably be well like I said it'd probably be Dan Moore shifting over as kind of your backup right tackle so that's kind of the, the messiness I'm getting in the weeds here but that's kind of how okay. I view the O-line right now all right all right. And so what? the only other change I made was me. I just kind of am flip flopping here, and I have not landed on what, what direction I want to go. I truly think this finale may come down to uh, may determine who gets the spot between Loudemoke and Watts. And so I went Watts here over Loudemoke, just kind of reversing each time. But I think D line is is really hard to figure out. Yeah, you obviously have. Uh, let's see who 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 was the change then. This time I had loud before and I swapped okay. him back out for Watts. I've just okay, kind of been going back and forth. Yeah. Uh, I mean, loud had that kind of push there, I guess, kind of what midway, a little, little past the midway point in, 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 in camp. But I mean, he still seems like pretty much the, you know, the, the same guy. Armand Watts is just more athletic, I think. Right. Oh yeah. He's, he's more athletic. He's a better pass rusher. His hand use is better. So I'm trying to think, okay, what is what is Lattimore doing better than Watts? I still think Lattimore against the run is not as good as he can be or should be, but I do think he's better. I think he's a bit more consistent. Maybe, I want to say he's a bit more technical, maybe just a bit stronger and just a bit more steady against the run. Who who was another uh, of these? Who, other than Lattimore, was there, a, was there another one that we were playing with that could potentially make it in here? No, I think to, to make it, I mean, there's all Montrevious Adams. I mean, I have three nose tackles with Adams, right. Benton, and Fahoko, and obviously, you know, that, that looks heavy. Right. And so, obviously, they, I mean, you could keep Watts and Loudermilk. That's possible. If you cut one of the nose tackles and Adams or Fahoko, then yes, you could do Watts and Loudermilk making the team at the end. All right. So, who would be your get, uh, if you're dressing just six, who, 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 who who's going to be inactive? Fahoko. Okay. Yeah, that's how I think I would all go right. about that. Uh, other than that, everything else is chalk. And so, you know, uh, six corners, four safeties, linebacker room is, I think, pretty much set in stone. 
Um, wide receiver and, you know, Gunner, some people, you know, said Gunner could make it. And, and I think that he could, but, you know, what exactly is his role, his value, his purpose? If he makes the team backup return guy, backup third string slot guy, that's kind of where he's sitting at. Yeah. And if you kept six, one of them would be inactive and it would probably be him. Oh, are you in the least way, shape or form tempted to keep Gunner over Zach Gentry? As far it's as, a, you know, a one for one, uh, obviously sure. different positions there. But uh, because, I mean, are you going to dress four tight ends every game? You, got, you know, throwing Connor. I, sure. Connor Connor's obviously going to dress. Pat Firemuth's obviously going to dress. Is there any reason to think Darnell Washington's not going to dress at this point? Yeah, I think Washington. I'd be very surprised if he did not dress week Right, one. right. So, I mean, can you trade Zach Gentry? <sighs> I don't know if there's enough value for, you know, what he's offering. There's probably enough big body blockers and six offensive linemen you can put out there for a team that wanted that Uh, to to the point. Yeah. You know, could you put Gunner over Gentry? I don't think that's a crazy thought. I think that's something that, you know, we could, we could be talking about come August 30th and, and, you know, go, Oh yeah, they did do that. Uh, But I just think for a team that wants to run the ball and and be so kind of heavy, Gentry makes a bit more sense overall. And yeah, Gentry's going to be inactive, but so would Gunner if he kept him. So it's, you know, it's the same thing. If you kept the five, <laughs> going away, okay. this is what we do. Uh, if you kept just the five there and Calvin Austin did something pregame, who who, mm-hmm. who, who returns punts for you? Deontay, because he's done it. Okay. They just took him off obviously to protect him. But I mean, you know, obviously in a game if you had to, and I, I, that was a good thought. And I, I, I thought about it the other day, went, oh yeah, Deontay can do it. And obviously not a long-term thing, but for a game, you know, he's going to be fine back there. Okay. All right. I am, I am toying with the idea of keeping six with Gunner Ooh. and then cutting Gentry. Ooh. I am, I, I you know how, and look, I'm not a Zach Gentry hater. I think he's a fantastic guy and all like that. I just, I don't know what the value is in keeping Gentry especially the way it sounds like Connor Hayward's going to be used. You know what I'm saying? Well, let me, let me put it this way. Darnell Washington gets hurt, not just in mid game, but just, you know, longer term multi-week injury. Who's, who's that kind of, they want the big body tight end who can block. And that's why they drafted Washington. That's why Gentry has been kept around. So I think they want Gentry as an insurance policy because obviously Connor Hayward cannot do the things that Darnell Washington can do for this offense. Right. right. So that, that's right. why I think you keep Gentry. And if you keep Gunner, I'm not, I'm not just, I mean, I think, I think it's a good thought and I think it's, it's certainly plausible, but if you keep Gunner, okay, what is Gunner's value? You say Gentry doesn't have value. What is, what is Gunner bringing to the team? Uh, he could, he, you know, he could obviously play, you know, slot and, and prob if you got into a situation, I can imagine he could give you slot, uh, shots, uh, snaps at the X, but, uh, and then obviously the, 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 re- you know, punt return aspect of it. If you, if you got into that situation, he's not going to help you on, on any other special teams units or anything like yeah, that. Right. You like know, someone would have to get hurt. Just a high effort guy, you know, uh, and he's had a good camp, like legitimately, right. you know, he's always been, had a good camp to, to your question. Let me give you a hypothetical back. Um, say Anthony McFarland puts his ankle pregame. Who's your kick returner? Yeah, I'd probably let uh, Austin do it. Yeah, I think so. Although I'm not sure when the last time he has done it. I he didn't do it in college. Um, Was it that it. one that kind of bounced and then he took back for the, t- the touchdown? Yeah, it was, uh, that was, was a punt. 
That was a punt? Okay. That was a punt. He didn't return. I don't think he returned a single kick at Memphis, believe it or not. Okay. But I think in a game and a pinch, you just say, just you know, do the fair catch thing. <laughs> Let the ball go over your head. That's probably how you get through the game if, uh, if your kick returner went down. Right, right. All right, here, Dave, what else do we have? I think we covered all the things we wanted to cover. Um, what what did you, what did you uh, think about uh, Merrill Hodge comments on, on, on the Zach uh, Gelb show? About Kenny Pickett? Yeah. Just kind of the general. I mean, obviously, he spoke highly of Pickett. I mean, he is literally paid by the Steelers, so I don't, I don't expect Hodge to really have a super critical lens toward Kenny Pickett. But, yeah, I mean, I respect Hodge's opinion. I think he's got a good eye for quarterbacks. He called out Johnny Menzel, you know, um, um, well before probably anyone else did and said this guy's not going to work. So he's obviously in that building. He's been around Kenny Pickett, knows the work ethic. The I thought he made good good points about the accuracy and how that's really the important trait. And yeah, you can kind of work on it, but you're kind of either accurate or you're not accurate. And you generally don't see a lot of changes there. Josh Allen kind of more the exception than the rule. So I didn't disagree with anything Hodge had to say, but as somebody who's employed by the team as an analyst and a scout kind of expected him to say good things about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, but he sure will have you running through a wall if you didn't know otherwise, (laughs) right? I mean, uh, the way, the way he talked, uh, I mean, he, and once again, you know, the association with, with, with the Steelers and, and, you know, some, you know, he's not going, he's not going to gig <laughs> picket in, 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 in a, in a radio interview like that. But, uh, I mean, he didn't make a lot of great points about, and sure. he, you know, he focused quite a bit on the accuracy aspect of, of Kenny Pickett's game and, uh, you know, the, and look, I mean, 17 snaps, I mean, that, that's another conversation. Uh, if we were were forced to pick out what is the worst thing that Kenny Pickett did in the 17 snaps so far in the preseason, what is it? It's not playing enough. You want to see more of this this, this first team offense, I think. Right. Uh, I mean, and in other words, I mean, it's it's been pretty damn good. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you can't complain awesome. about the actual <laughs> product. Yeah, I mean, but just you, you know, just. I think even Tomlin kind of hinted that you almost thought you'd hope these guys would play more. And as you pointed out, you just hope for a red zone opportunity to see how that looked, you know, hopefully down to the goal line. Right. Right. I mean, the, the only, the only knock on Kenny Pickett so far during the preseason is to me is that he hasn't gotten any, any red zone time. Yeah. So that's kind of all my thoughts. That's here. Not, obviously not his fault. No, not his fault at all. Um, but yeah, you, you'd like to see it. And if I mean, I, as you said, if you have a, if you had a ten play, eleven play drive in this in this uh, finale, and you got you punched the ball in from the three yard three yard line, then like that's like the perfect preseason you've ever had right. for, for this offense. Right. But um, I mean, I, I thought uh, I mean that, it's a good interview. People haven't heard it. We've written quite a bit about it on the site uh, already today. But uh, it's easy to find on you know Zach Gelb. Gelb podcast and all about 15 minutes of uh, what, what else did he talk about in that uh, uh, interview? Uh, just, you know, like the core that Pittsburgh has kind of goes back to our discussion about all the, the skill guys and how impressive they are. Had some, I think, reservations about the Todd Monken offense, what Baltimore's doing over there. Um, you know, just kind of spoke highly of what Pittsburgh's building. All right. Uh, what else did we want to cover today? I think that was everything. Let me just kind of put a bow for this finale. If you could only have one question answered, or if you could only know one thing about the outcome of this game, you know, before it happens, I'm asking this question very poorly, but what do you want to learn most about the Pittsburgh Steelers coming out of this Falcons game? Are they healthy? Okay. (laughs) Yeah. And so far, so good to me, that one, I think, you know, for sure. But 
how much center can can Nate Herbert get in this game? Yeah, that's um, a good one. And, and I think it'll be maybe a little less than you think, but because Dotson's got the shoulder, and you know Green can only play center. Why didn't Kendrick Green get any left guard work this summer? Do you yeah, think? Yeah, I don't know, but uh, I hopefully get Herbert some time. And and look, you know, once again, going back to the whole outside center thing, you know, other than the guy that you've talked about for several weeks now, and Morrissey. You know, who, who, who else is out there that would even be an upgrade over Herbig, you know? That's a very good question. I did put together the, the, a list. The biggest thing, it's not that, the thing with Herbig is he just does not have the in-game experience. Right. So if you get a replacement, you got to find someone who's played a lot of center in the middle. Otherwise, what's the point of bringing someone right. else in? Right. I mean, if you, if you want to look around some of these rosters right now and say, well, you know, they have a guard slash center mm-hmm. here and, and, but his primary position is guard. Well, you already have that right. in, in, in Herbie. Right. But if you wanted to, to find a true center, a guy that says, look, you know, uh, this guy, cause one of the big concerns with Herbig, I think, and then may, and maybe this would fall on, on more on Kenny Pickett or somebody else on the offense line is, is the line calls and, and, and some of that other stuff, you know, you don't think Herbig could do that. I, I, I wonder about it. I, I do okay. wonder about it. Yes. I think he's probably lacking a lot of experience doing it, but he's played some in the NFL. He's, he's a smart guy. I think he could do it, but obviously, and, and I think, it, as you said, it kind of helps that Kenny Pickett's now in year two and it isn't the rookie that can, that probably needs more assistance. Right. Um, let me, I, I'm going to write about this after the game, probably it's kind of, we get before cutdowns probably obviously, but, uh, I did do some research on some centers who are out there that, that may fit. I'm not going to read off all the names here to spoil everything, but I'll give you two. Uh, your, your man, uh, T Mr. T-Rex, uh, Nick Harris over in Cleveland. I know that's a, not my guy. <laughs> I know that was a sarcastic, uh, thing. Cause I know he's got the super short arms, but, uh, you know, Luke Weipler's done well for them and uh, they found something in, in Pochick. So. You know, I, that's a potential cut there. And then I also mentioned or have noted here, uh, Pat Elfline, who's out there in Arizona, who Pat Meyer coached in Carolina in 2021. Um, he's been a journeyman, not a great career, but uh, he's a guy. And then obviously, you know, Jimmy Morris, he's the guy that I, I think Jimmy Morris, he makes as much sense as literally anybody else that you could offer. Right. Especially, you know, the, the link with Kenny and, and all like that. You know, he's 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 serviceable, I think. Uh, yeah, because the concern is you get a backup center week one. You, you need a backup center. I don't know how many reps has your backup center gotten with Kenny Pickett? Even just been around the guy, and obviously Jimmy Morrissey has gotten a ton of reps with Kenny Pickett and just knows who Kenny Pickett is. Yeah, I'll leave it at this when we're talking about center. I think they feel a lot more comfortable, and and they should uh, be the ones that feel more comfortable. They feel a lot more comfortable with Herbig in in that spot than than I do. Okay, that's that's probably fair. I, I'm I'm relatively comfortable. I guess my only concern is if if Herbig's the backup everything, that's kind of stretching it a little thin to be the backup guard and the backup center. You know, you get a couple guys hurt. Right. Well, then uh, your rookie Anderson's in the game, then, right? Right. And the good thing is that Anderson can wear a lot of hats now. The quality of that play as a rookie, you know, we'd have to debate, but at least you'd have a guy that that can do it. Right. Anyway, Dave, uh, I think it probably covers everything. We we'll get to a couple of reader emails and close out today's show. All right, uh, Brandon says, I have OCD also. I wear the same pajamas every single day. It throws off my whole day if they are dirty and can't handle it. He says, I also wear the same T-shirts over and over, right there with you. I tell you, you talk to my wife, she'll tell you I'm certified. Uh, 
because uh, I, you know, like I said, I wear the same. I have three sets of the same outfit that I wear wear every day. Look, it, it, it's a blessing with some of the work that I do on the site because I'm so repetitious that it becomes, you know, habit with some of the things that I do. So uh, I've learned to accept, you know, my dysfunctions as as as, as blessings. Uh, Chris Warren writes in. I think Alex is starting to get some of this stuff too. Oh yeah, hundred uh, percent. Which is fun to see. I mean, little things like labels on on <laughs> on products. I mean, don't change anything at all. I mean, it, you know, I hate don't I don't need new and improved. Yeah. Uh, uh, Aquafina uh, changing the color of their cap. Why are they doing that? Why do we right, need to go from right, blue to white? Uh, uh, ragu uh, pizza sauce in, in in the can. I don't need the label changed. Okay, there's <laughs> there's nothing wrong. Who's asking for the label change of ragu? Because when you change something like that, my mind instantly goes to what else have you changed in this? You know? <laughs> uh, and then I start thinking, well, that that tastes different. Does that taste different? You know, that, <laughs> that, that kind of thing there. So uh, a mind is a terrible thing, period. <laughs> uh, mm. Hey, uh, Chris Warren writes in, hey, guys, I'm so sick of hearing uh, the uh, nat- national sports media alternating between trashing the Steelers one week and trying to crown them as AFC North champs the next. It's all based on a handful of highlights. They act as though skill positions are all that matter. They completely discount the uh, importance of the big uglies down in the trenches. I'm so thankful that we have you guys. You're such a brush- breath of fresh air as compared to your peers who rarely scratch the surface. Your training camp preseason coverage has been awesome and it's very much appreciated. Well, thank you for that, Chris. And look, I mean, the, the 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 national guys are the national guys, you know that uh, a lot of them just stay on the surface like that, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, people can listen to whoever they want to listen to, but I think the uh, beauty of the internet is the ability to have the niche stuff. We don't have to go to the surface level person for anything. There's always some niche, you know, guy or team or site that all they do is cover the one thing and and hopefully know that thing really well. And that's kind of our goal here. I think niche is the the way to go in terms of, you know, breaking into the sports world and kind of carving out your home and, and you know, building something for yourself is to be, you know, I'd rather be hopefully really good at one thing as opposed to just okay at 10 things. It's kind of my whole approach to uh, to life. Uh, Luke Hare writes in, I'm a relatively new listener since summer 2021. I was searching for good Steeders content to listen to while out on the farm and came across a terrible podcast. Once I found you guys, I was hooked. I've heard you tell about your background, Dave. Uh, how you grew up a Steeler fan and how the site came to be. Something I haven't heard is how you found Alex and how his role became that of uh, primary camp analyst and podcast partner. You guys make quite a team and I can't get enough content. All right, tell 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 the story, Alex. Yeah, I mean, it's been now officially over a decade ago, if you can believe it. Uh, I was writing for another just kind of small Steelers uh, site just for fun, um, writing up game notes and... I, I guess it was on it was on Twitter. I know that you had reached out to me. I guess the or you, you added me or something. And then we had a phone call. And this is this is how long ago that phone call was. That first discussion we had was on uh, my mom's landline telephone. Or corded, oh. It was a corded landline telephone. I remember literally white crappy phone from like 1980 and 1980. And we had like a 20 minute conversation about that. And then you just said, hey, you want to work here? And I said, yeah, sure. And uh, fast forward. And here we are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Do you, I don't even remember what site that was. I don't even know if it's still in existence anymore. That that I message board, believe it is uh, that that you had. But uh, yeah, uh, a very very good decision uh, on both of our parts. I think. Yeah, no, I I think so. And just celebrating ten years and looking for uh, great things here uh, for the site. 
right, uh, I think I got one or two more real quick here. Bryce writes in last preseason game. Uh, Dave, I know I'm a little late on this, but I thoroughly enjoyed the segment on adjusting net yards for passing attempt stat. Uh, good stuff. He says, however, comma, I think the team can make a surprise playoff run, even if Kenny is between uh, 6.1 and 6.4, if they offset that by running very successfully, blah, 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 finish dry. Yeah, look, I mean, six, you're kind of splitting hairs a little bit there. The, the key thing is, is, is let's, let's make sure that adjusted net yards for passing attempt stat with Kenny is over six. I mean, if you get into 6.1 and 6.4, you're probably going to be in a few, few ball games. And if you get a couple of things, uh, bounce your way. I mean, it, it can make a difference in, in, in every game, but I mean, I really do feel confident that, you know, if he can get to 6.5 or higher, I mean, you're really talking about, uh, I, uh, if, if everybody stays healthy, I think you're looking at a team that could potentially win, you know, 10, 10, 10, 11 games. I mean, it, you have to look at the Steelers at a schedule at all, all, all aspects of this thing. And, uh, I, I have admittedly gone more optimistic about the Steelers since camp and preseason has gone. I mean, how could you not really? I, you yeah. know, I think, uh, uh, when, 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 when the fan aspect of your side kicks in and all like that, but I think it's just more important than anything. When you look at adjusting that yards for passing attempt number with, with, with Kenny, man, if it can get over six and if it can even get, you know, 6.5 or higher, you've, you've got something there. You know, so uh, I, it's not it's not a look. There's been, I think, teams that have made the playoffs with with with, you know, QBs that have adjusted net yards of like five point nine and all, you know, like like that and all. So it's not impossible there. I just it really a lot of things got to go your way. He says, number two, the Nate, not Najee and Jalen argument is a done deal to me. It's Najee all day. And uh, let's see. He says Najee has been the guy from day one. And defenses are geared to stop him. Jalen, on the other hand, is not not a guy that defenses focus on stopping. Well, I mean, they haven't had to focus on Jalen uh, stopping. Uh, look, I, uh, I, we've already said on previous podcasts, have we not, that it's Najee's job. But uh, the, the only aspect of it is can can you get Jalen Warren on the field more? Bryce is attacking us like. We're saying it's 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 one or the other uh, here, and I don't think either one of us have been in that boat. I mean, we we understand it's it's Najee's your lead back. He's you know he's going to get a predominant amount of playing time, predominant amount of carries, and all like that. All we're saying is that Jalen's done enough to get more snaps on this team. Yeah, I don't want to view it as a knock on Najee. I wrote the article the other day: Najee Harris, Jalen Warren, and false choices. It's not either war. It's both and. I think. For Steeler fans, especially a younger group, and I don't know the age of the, the reader here, I'm just speaking generally, that I think we're accustomed to there being one guy. There is a lead back, there is a starter, and there's a backup. You know, that's what Le'Veon Bell was. That's what James Conner was attempting uh, to be. The injuries got in the way of that. They draft Richard Mendenhall. They want these big lead workhorse backs, and that has changed with Jalen Warren's emergence. And Mike Tomlin's been flexible enough to to have a bit of committee and bit of rotation there. So it's an adjustment for us in our mindset to go, okay, there's no longer one and two. There's kind of one A and one B and Pittsburgh's going to go in that direction this year. 
Uh, Mario writes in, uh, he wants to ch challenge the fungibility uh, notion. Uh, the argument of not drafting running back high is that mid or late round running backs are able to give equal value. I think there's a misperception uh, about that because people always look at the late round running back value and a running back has done well, not before. So I pose this, uh, have Dave, a uh, known proponent of not drafting running backs high, pick, pick five running backs drafted in the fourth round or later this year and see how many in turn um, major con make contra major contributions to the offense. In short, pick the next Jalen Warren teams. Look, if you draft a running back in the first round, he's going to get more play, is he not? Sure, of course he will. More, more, more opportunity than 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 the later round guys uh, there. And my not my notion's not so much that it's a one uh, one to one uh, change. My notion is that it's but you can get it done by more of a committee approach if you have to go more of the non-first-round guys. Yeah, no, I I understand the argument there. Just um, the argument is not that just pick any running back at random in the fourth round or on, and he's going to work. But if you build a really good offensive line and good scheme, the running back you have back there matters less because if it's blocked, most running backs who are you know, even decent in college can make it work at the NFL level. And that's, I think that's the overall fungibility argument. My whole thing. And look, I mean, if you want to draft a running back in the second round, have at it, you know, my main thing is the whole first round aspect of it there. Uh, that has been my main uh, argument. This whole thing. It's not that drafting them in the first three rounds. It's the specific spending the first round draft pick on them that I have the hardest problem with. And and it, for the first round compared to the second one, is that because of the fifth year option or just because like this is the guy that's the face of your draft class? Why is it so particular to the first round and not second round? Uh, yeah, well, I think too, because your first round draft pick is a guy that you want to have a good shot of have, being with the organization 10, 12 years, you know, okay. uh, gotcha. just, just, and, and also because of the wear and tear on these guys on top of it, they're, they're probably bound to miss some games within their first four, four seasons be, because of that. So can you have that? Look, any guy can get, you can draft a first round whatever safety what whatever uh those guys could get hurt just as easily there but just running backs with what you ask them to do uh and as many touches and i you know i, I think history bodes this out for those guys that get yeah and what happens once you get those guys to that 350 touch mark in one season as well too you know there's there's that historical aspect of it and look if you are and and here was my other uh argument on first round running backs as well too if you get one, my I would like to see more like to see one that can deliver the explosive play on a more regular basis. And like it or not, Najee wasn't that guy at Alabama. Right. The numbers prove that. Right. So, you know, there, 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 there's that aspect of it, too. So my, it's not that. Oh no, no team should draft a running back in the first three rounds. It to me, it's more about the value uh, when it comes to a first round draft pick. Yeah, no, I I understand the the position. I think it's kind of become the more. And, and look, if you draft a fourth round, if you draft a guy a guy in the fourth round, odds are, I mean, you probably already have somebody installed. I mean, look look at the James Conner situation, right? I mean, you had Le'Veon Bell was was your starter. 
but you still took uh, uh, James Conner, right? Now he ended up, mm-hmm. you know, be, be, becoming the star. You're, you you don't go out of your way, I don't think, to draft a fourth round guy and make him your starter. Sure, because because usually there's pedigree and all stuff that's that's involved. Yeah, usually it's injury protection or up, upcoming contract. Where okay, we're not going to pay this running back next year, so let's go get his replacement a year early. Is kind of the mentality, right? Or you have a situation where they went out there and they got uh, 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 oh. A few years ago, uh, Carolina, uh, D'Angelo uh, Williams. yeah, D'Angelo yeah. Williams have all of a sudden drawn a blank. I could see his face. No, just <laughs> can, 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 uh, you know, you go out when you do that, you're usually going out and getting a guy that that's, that's either highly proven or has pedigree value, which in, in, in the case of D'Angelo Williams, it was both there. Uh, I am just not a fan of first rounds on running backs period in the story. I think when you get past that though, obviously you're not getting a, you're probably not getting a top two or three member of the draft class then. Right. Uh, yeah, I guess typically. Sure. I mean, sometimes I mean, you, you do find these guys some, you know, sometimes in the second round though. But I mean, my thought is if you're headstrong and going into the draft of getting a running back, I would be more apt to look at maybe those guys in the second tier that, that are more second or, or, or third round guys. That's my thoughts on that. Now, look, I expect Najee to have a great season. I expect, I mean, this is a big season for Najee, right? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, he, he, I expect him to be 14, 1500, 1700 total yards from scrimmage there, but I mean, it still does. It still won't change my thought process on the fungibility, especially when it relates to first round running backs. No, I understand it. I think it's, it's well laid out and I think it's a, it's a really good case. You know, one thing I do want to see from this Falcons game, I forgot to mention, uh, I'm focused too much on what the Falcons are doing, but uh, I, I know we, the pronunciation for his first name is kind of debatable right now, but uh, Bijan Robinson and mm-hmm. see, you know, you know how, how he looks against the Steelers run defense. And even if Pittsburgh's missing some of their starters for that D line, because Robinson so that first carry he had last week, just a great, great run. And that dude's, uh, you know, might be one of the premier backs in the NFL. Now, I, I, I don't have this handy. I can find it probably real quick. But, I mean, he was a more explosive runner in college, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know uh, the numbers, but he was definitely a big play guy uh, in Texas. But, I mean, even then, <laughs> what number was he picked overall? It was high. I think it was seventh. It was yeah. top ten for sure. I mean, I'd be, I'd be jumping out of my skin, you know? <laughs> And look, he uh, he very well might be the next Hall of Fame running back, right? You know, but anyway, that's where I come in on 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 running backs. There, uh, yeah. let's see, Boykin's backup. Or no, Steve Novakovich writes in, uh, everyone from Mike Tomlin down to the newest fan is thrilled with a quick score performance of the Steelers' first string offense this preseason. Is Coach Tomlin making a big, big mistake, however, by counting touchdowns and not counting snaps when making decision on when to pull the starters? It seems to me there's a great benefit in having significant snaps against real opponents in the games that don't matter when you're preparing to play a good defense in week one. This may come back to bite us. I hope Keith coach T curbs his enthusiasm uh, against the Falcons uh, this Thursday. Look, I was thinking about this last night. It's a damned. If you do damned, if you don't situation, when it comes to playing players during the preseason end of story, Uh, you don't play them enough. 
and then you, if you start the season uh, slow, people say, "Well, see, you didn't have those guys out there. They didn't get it. You know, uh, they 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 did get you know, warmed up enough during the preseason. You lose somebody to injury uh, in the preseason, a starter on offense. Well, you played them one snap too many uh, there. Uh, you you don't." get to script these things, how games go, how other teams play. And once again, I'll go back to the big, I think my, even though I thought Pickett would probably play more snaps than he has played uh, this preseason, you can't control the explosive plays and getting into the end zone of some of these things. And yeah, I guess you could have rolled them back out there another series, but you know, what unit would they, you can't control any of that stuff. You have to go in with pretty much an agenda and, and get that agenda done and, 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 and kind of go from there. The only, the only thing I will say that's been a negative about the first team offense and snap totals uh, for this team this year is the fact that maybe, maybe I would have instructed Jalen Warren. If you break one, go down at the five <laughs> <laughs> uh, because not getting the red zone work uh, early in games is the only thing that this thing ha- this this team hasn't checked the boxes on. So uh, it doesn't matter what Steve writes here. It doesn't matter what our thoughts on this are about snap totals and 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 all like that because a, a head coach is in a no win situation when it comes to playing time for any any guy that's probably going to make the roster for them. Yeah, I mean, I understand the thought, you know, that, you know, could you have played them more snaps and you want to look at the totality of, you know, how many reps are they getting, not just the results, but they did they did their job. Um, and, and I think, you know, bigger picture, we can debate, you know, should teams play starters, should they not play starters as a single snap and what are those impacts on the regular season? But I don't think we're going to sit here in week five, Dave, and say, man, if they only played the Steelers and Kenny Pickett one more series against somebody Buffalo, will, especially somebody. if they come out one four, you know, if, if, if they come out one and three or whatnot, the offense and all that, it, it, it'll it'll be well, they should have <laughs> they should have played they, they should have played that first team offense more. Inevitably, right. that's that's what's going to happen. Somebody somewhere sure. will say it. But obviously the idea that if they just gotten one more series, their whole regular season fortune would have turned around. I'm not going to get that granular in terms of uh, the effect of, of preseason reps in the regular season. So I, I'm for playing starters some, so they're not completely rusty. But, you know, we're talking debating one series more, one series less than we're probably in the weeds here. And when it, this is not going to stop us from getting these kind of questions <laughs> year in and year out either, because that's what that that, that that's what people uh, think about. Uh, one last one from because we got so many in here. Garrett writes in. Uh, great job on the podcast. Appreciate balance and informed insights. It sounds like Dan Moore has earned a starting job at left tackle to start the year, and I know stability and chemistry are are valuable on the offensive line. He says buy, sell, or hold. Dan Moore is on the hot seat, and the team is motivated to insert their first round pick Broderick Jones into the starting lineup right after the bye week. In other words, he asks, he says, is more on a very short lease leash due because the team sees Jones as the future at the position. I will, I think that they think they gave every opportunity for more to hold on to his job to start the season this, this summer. I think he has answered that in the same breath. I think they view Broderick Jones as a guy that comes out of college without a, a lot of starting experience that they wanted to get a lot of work in the preseason, which they have done. Uh, 
but I don't, in other words, it's more on it. I I mean, yeah, look for more to keep the job. He's got to play well, period. Sure. So yeah, he I, says, see, so he says, in other words, it's more on a very short leash due to, because the team, I, I don't think it's due to, to anything. Now, obviously having a first round draft pick in that might, might escalate it to some degree, but if he, if, if, if Dan Moore's not cutting it, then the next guy is the next guy. I guess the question is how much slack does Moore get? Is it one bad game and he's pulled? Is it two? I mean, I guess the question is where is that line? Right. I mean, I, I, think I can't it, answer. It, I think what it looks like uh, uh, has a lot to do with that. I mean, bad is usually bad, but uh, uh, I think. I think the main thing about this is it buys them a little time. And plus two, if they didn't open up against uh, Bosa and, and Garrett and uh, uh, Max Crosby, I mean, do you really want to put the, the, the rookie into the blender like that? Uh, I have no problem with that personally. I think if you, if you like went up to start them, then don't be scared about the opponent. I mean, if, if, if we're talking about, you know, Joe Thomas coming out here, Maybe so, but I mean, I think I think they want to slow burn Broderick a little bit in this. In 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 this, I, I think that's their view on this. As long as Dan Moore didn't stink throughout the summer here, uh, you know, uh, I think their their whole idea was maybe to slow roll Broderick a little bit on this. Looking I don't back they, now, yeah, I don't know if they really had an expectation to slow play, and obviously, if they wanted, if they were, you know, hyper focused on getting Jones in lineup, they could just make him the starter today and it wouldn't be the, the craziest thing in the world. So I just think their thought was Moore's the starter, continues to play well. He's gotten better. Jones has been fine, but Moore's the better option. So we're going to go with Dan Moore and that's kind of the end of discussion. So is he on the hot seat? I, I, I probably wouldn't use that that phrase. I, you know, I'm just kind of take things week by week. Um, but I, I would just say I wouldn't use the bye week as the line in the sand. I mean, Kenny Pickett came in at halftime against the Jets last mm-hmm. week in week four, and his first NFL start was at Buffalo in week five. So the idea of, oh, the matchups might be a concern. You got some tough things to do. I don't think Pittsburgh cares about that uh, one iota. So I wouldn't say the bye week's that clean lineup. Oh, that's when you replace Dan Moore. And it's a cop out here, but as I, I've, I've learned over the years, these things have a weird way of working True. themselves out sometimes organically, whether it be injury or or just, I mean, very noticeable bad play, uh, 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 that kind of thing. If they, if Dan Moore opens the season and he and he you know he plays above the line, and more importantly, this team's winning mm-hmm. ball games, nothing's going to. You're not just going to switch for for the sake of of of, of switching there. Uh, but look, my my thoughts on this at some point, probably before the midway point of this season. Dan Moore, one way the uh, uh, Broderick Jones is going to be the starting left tackle for however yeah. it happens. That's possible. And, and obviously the odds of this team being as healthy as they were last year are very low. And if it happens, they should bottle and sell whatever they're doing because it's apparently a miracle thing. Um, but yeah, somebody gets hurt, whether that's again. I mean, do you think that if a core four went down week one, that Dan Moore slides over to right tackle, or do you th- do you disagree with my thought and think somebody else will step in? No, I think I think you slide Dan over because okay. uh, at at this point, based on what we see, I mean, unless they come out and give Broderick some snaps at 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 at, at right tackle, uh, I want my rookie where he's most comfortable at. 
Yeah, I don't think Jones would be the right tackle. I guess the question would be, would a Spencer Anderson jump in there if he was active and makes a team or something like that? But yeah, I think Moore's the favorite. So if a core four gets hurt, Jones plays. If Moore gets hurt, Jones plays. If Moore right. struggles, Jones plays. And those right. are the options where you sit there and say, okay, probably at some point Jones will see the field. Right. Now, I think the only thing is, that, you know, is, is you know, what if Dan Moore, what if Chacormo Corfor winds up your, your weak, weak link six or seven games into this? Ooh, and, okay. Just, you know? One more rabbit hole for us to go down today. That's a good point. You know, uh, and, 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 and you're sitting there at a 500 record or something like that, you know, uh, uh, you know, fans, fans, obviously at that point still haven't seen Broderick Jones and they want to get him on the field anyway, as, as possible that, you know, uh, I, I just think that we're going to be by easily by the midway point of the season, Broderick Jones is going to be in there one way or the other. All right. Fair enough. All right. Uh, we've gone a little bit over here, a lot over. Uh, so in the meantime, uh, we will be back on Friday to recap the preseason game here and uh, go over whatever news and start getting ready for final cutdowns and and all that kind of stuff. So in the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Steeders Depot. Follow Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, the Terrible Podcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate to the cause, SteedersDepot.com. Hit the donate button up right navigation bar. Also, if you like an ad free version of the site, Steeders Depot. People.com, hit the ad free button up right navigational bar uh, until Friday. Enjoy the game. We'll have uh, every kind of content imaginable up uh, these next couple of days here as part of that uh, covering the final preseason game. And we hope you join us uh, over there on the site. So as always, thank you for listening. And as always, thank you for listening to the terrible podcast with Dave and Alex.